December 28th, 2021, this morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated for the Refua Shalema of Avraham ben Salha Aliza. Uh, we're here in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Memhe Amud Bet. I think it's about 16 lines from the top. The last word on the line, Amar. If you recall, the Gemara was being Doresh, uh, the Halachot, which were mentioned in the Mishnah. The Mishnah mentioned the Pasuk, mentioned the Halachot with regards to Yad Ha'edim Tihiebo Barishona, which means to say, if a person is sentenced to Sikila, if a person is going to be executed through being stoned by others, the first to stone him, the first to push him off, and then in turn the next one to throw a stone at him, are the Aidim, are the witnesses who initially testified against him in order to execute him. Amar Shemuel, Shemuel goes so far as to suggest that the words in the Pasuk of Yad Ha'idim, the hands of the witnesses, in other words, their throwing of those stones, those rocks on him, Nikta'a Yad Ha'idim Patur, if they don't have hands or a hand, says Shemuel, the individual can't be executed by Sekilah. But why not? The answer is the Pasuk says, Yad Ha'idim, the witnesses need to have hands in order to throw those stones at him. If they don't have the hands, they're not able to execute him. And as a result, yeah, we'll lock him up, but we won't put him to death by Sekilah. It's coming up. Says the Gemara, what's the reasoning, what's the rationale of Shemuel? I need that which is recorded in the Pasuk. And there is not. It's necessary that there be a hand, that there be the hands of the witnesses, and there's not. So Shemuel seems quite simple that as a result you shouldn't be able to put him to death. Ask the Gemara, ask Nathan a moment ago, but wait a second, based on your logic, Shemuel, we were very careful with your wording. Your wording was, if the hand of the witness nikte'a, nikte'a means it became cut off, it got severed afterward, after testifying, what about in the initial uh, reality, when the witness walked into court, what if he doesn't have a hand from then? Is he invalidated? Are you telling me that in a circumstance where there's a hiyuv sekila situation and a witness doesn't have a hand that invalidates him? It might invalidate him from kehuna. Maybe we can deal with this as a mum. But in order to invalidate him as a witness, your words, Shimuel, if we read you carefully, did not suggest that. Your words were If it became severed, if it got cut off, you didn't say if they were cut off from the beginning. Gidmin means they're maimed. In other words, they're missing that arm from the beginning. Me'ikara means initially. Indeed, but apparently you need both of them. You need to be able to keep in mind the stone was quite heavy as well, right? Even two people were to lift that stone anyway. Yeah, but move on. Anyway, so this. They'll never switch, in other words, yes. Uh, so Jeffrey says, well, you're not going to have Sekilah. I told you we'll lock him up. No, we're not then going to transfer it and give him a different uh, death penalty. Generally speaking, the answer is yes. There happens to be a mahlokit about the severity of punishments. Already being a mahlokit, it's going to be hard to replace. But furthermore, uh, furthermore, we, we are specific as to what the Torah says, and we won't play with that uh, as a general rule. Now, that's not to say there haven't been, and we'll see even a circumstance where there may have been exceptions, but exceptions are exceptions. This wouldn't qualify an exception as like a pressing need circumstance where we just need to put to death and we don't have an opportunity to do it, quote, exactly right. But anyway, says the Gemara over here, well, uh, Shemuel, you told us only if it's cut off. 
clearly you wouldn't argue that Edim Gidmin de Meikara Hachena Med de Psile. Do you mean to tell me they would be Pasul? You know it's not true. Shane Hatam answers the Gemara for Shemuel. Shone Sham. It's different there, meaning in the circumstance where Meikara, when they initially walked into court, they were already missing the arm. De Amar Kera Yad Ha'edim. The Pasuk says the hand of the witnesses, and the understanding is Shehayeta Kevar. They already had that hand. In other words, we're talking about after the fact, if they had the hand initially, and now you're up to the stoning, well, they need to still have that hand. They didn't have a hand initially, so yeah, they could testify. That wouldn't invalidate them. Who's ultimately speaking going to put him to death if the guy doesn't have a hand and he did testify? One of two things. Either he'll use his other hand, as Stanley suggested earlier, or we'll have another person appointed to do it. But in a standard situation where the person walked in with two hands and one got cut off over the course of the time until you lead to execution, says Shemuel, you won't put him to death. Says, What's that? That's right. But if you can't do the first one, chalas, you can't do the stoning. You have to have this procedurally correct. You have to push them off. Then you need to, with your hand, witness, throw the first stone. If you're willing to let it be that he doesn't need the hand to begin with, why do we care so much if it came off after? It's actually... Yes, uh, important question. Nathan, Nathan says, why are we distinguishing? The answer, uh, first and foremost, is Pesukim. Uh, if you can, and I challenge you to come up with some sort of clever interpretation to why it's so, and you have a philosophy to it, I'll give it to you. I don't know the Sivara over here to be Mehalek. I'll tell you even more so, just thinking of, you know, as a simple person, it's dangerous now because now you don't, you don't, need, a, you don't need to hire a hitman. You just need to hire a person to cut off his hand and you saved yourself from death penalty. Anyway, says the Gemara, but the Gemara will, over the course of the next many lines, challenge this notion, this notion that we're reading the Pesukim in quote, such a literal way. We're about to get there. It'll be a few more lines till we get there. That's going to be the discussion and the debate. We'll have it over the course of several lines in the Gemara. The Gemara will bring different circumstances where the Torah tells you how to do something and we read it carefully or we're a little bit more loose in our reading. You know, it's, it sounds like, although it's not identical to the classic conversation, discussion amongst the Hachamim, do we assume, should we assume that Dibera Torah Kelashon Bene Adam? In other words, is the Torah written in the way that's most palpable and digestible to you and me, even though it's not per se speaking in an absolute fashion that every detail is to be taken to its full extent. It's similar to over here, but it's not exactly identical. We'll touch on that as we get there. Anyway, first says the Gemara Metive, we have a question from a Beraita. Kol makom the halakha is if in some strange circumstance the, the litigant, the, the nidon, the guy who we're uh, dealing with, uh, runs away. He escapes. He uh, broke out of jail. He broke out of the courthouse. I don't know exactly how he did this, but he got away. Uh, we caught him, and we now as walk into court, and I testify that... In that court, a country away, a state away, a whatever away, he was judged already. This was the circumstance. Those were his witnesses. And he was supposed to be executed by Sekila, for argument's sake. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? We accept the testimony 
of these witnesses who now enter court and testify about what happened in the past. Wait a second. You told me that in order to execute the person, you need the witnesses to be executing him. This doesn't sound like what we're talking about. This circumstance sounds like you found him a country over, a world over. You're testifying about what took place over there. You're even testifying about who the witnesses were. It does not appear as if the witnesses are in front of me. You telling, you're telling me, it doesn't sound like you should say if you don't have the witnesses that's a question on Shemuel answers the Gemara Shemuel himself explained this he has to stretch he has to squeeze himself into this says Shemuel the circumstance over here although the words in the Beraita say that we are testifying those were his witnesses this was his situation that was the court place when we say those were the witnesses we're referring to ourselves in other words the only way according to Shemuel you will actually be able to execute the person is if the witnesses are present and there and yada'idim tiyebo barishona if you don't have yada'idim barishona then you're not putting him to death it's true we'll hold on to him we'll incarcerate him we'll deal with him for the rest of his life but we're not putting him to death that's the statement of Shemuel again Shemuel reads the text in an overly literal fashion to the extent that even and here's what separates it from even in extenuating circumstances the guy's hand got cut off he's a country over we're not going to put him to death we're stating to that extent that the words in the Torah are so literal and absolute that you can't twist and you can't bend at all says the Gemara umi ba'inan again means sarikh ba'inan anan means us umi ba'inan do we really need kera kedikhtiv those are the words, kira, the pasuk, kidichtiv, exactly as it's stated. Uh, do we really go to this extent? In extenuating circumstances, do we not, quote unquote, stretch a bit and state, although the Torah says, ideally, so to speak, this is the way it's supposed to be, it's not absolutely le'ikuba. This touches also a, a bit, it brushes on the issue of, it's a longer conversation, the book, Advan de Oraita, Rabbi Yosef Engel, he wrote a, a lot about this, about when you're dealing with chiyuvim or misvot from the Torah, to what extent do we say it's an absolute? In other words, is there room, when we talk about misvot midrabbanan, we talk about lechatehilan bidi'avad, we say the ideal and the unideal. Listen, you should do it like this. You're in this circumstance, bidi'avad, you're okay. Do we say that about uh, in context of uh, Torah? Does the Torah have a lechatehilan bidi'avad? Or is it you do this or you don't do anything? It's true, the hachami make their siyag and so forth. There's never a simple answer to that sort of question. It's an important question to be dealt with. Does the Torah, so to speak, have gezerot on its, on its own to the extent that if you kind of went against that, you were bidi'avad? There are many important examples to be debated and discussed. This is an interesting thing to enter into that conversation. To a certain extent, that's what the debate here is. The debate is the kera kedichtiv, the pasuk as it's written. To what extent? At all costs? Shmuel says yes. The others, we're going to see the hachamim or disagreeing with him, argue differently. Vahatanya, we have a beraita which seems to suggest otherwise. Here's the pasuk. Mot yumat it's in the context of a person who's a roseah, he's a murderer. The halakha is a murderer gets put to death by saif. We behead that individual. All right, well, the pasuk says it in a bit of a lengthy fashion. It doesn't just say put him to death. It says, He shall surely die. Well, he shall surely die. 
Tamitu et haroseach or something like that. What's mot yumat? Says the Gemara, enli ela, says the Beraita rather, enli ela bemitaha ketubabo. All I would know from a simple reading of Pasuk, without being medakidek in its wording, is that how do I put to death and the only way to put to death the murderer? Mitaha ketubabo. It's exactly the way the Torah tells us. And what's that? Saif, beheading. Minayin shimi atayakolah mito bemitaha ketubabo. Sheata mimito bechomita sheatayakolah mito. How do you know to include that in extenuating circumstances, a situation, we'll give an example of such in a moment, where you can't, based on the situation, based on the circumstance, put him to death the way the Torah said so. What's the way the Torah said so? By beheading him. But you can put him to death in another way. For example, Rashi and Dafa Ayin Bet gives two examples, if I remember correctly. One is, the individual ran away, he's on the other side of the river. He's running away, you don't have a chance to get him. You're not going to be able to behead him. Your only chance is to shoot arrows at him. In today's day and age, we'd say sniper him, you know, snipe him. Are uh, you allowed to put him to death in such a fashion? It's not the way you were supposed to be killing him. Alternatively, Rashi mentions over there, Mechashif, it's a person who's a sorcerer. It's funny because the Mishnah coming up will bring us back to that case of Shimon ben Shattah. If you recall that long Rashi we read, and that long story, it appeared, this is me speaking, but several of them, if I remember correctly, point this out. It appeared as if he wasn't putting them to death by Sikila, necessary. Those sorcerers, there were 80 sorcerer women in, in Ashkelon. It sounded as if he just hung them or hanged them immediately, which means to say he just took them and he hung them on trees and he, and he, and he handled them. There's no mitah like that in the Torah. After Sikila, you can do teliyah al You can't hang a person However, the situation, if you recall, was such that by taking them off the ground, that's the way you'd be able to possess them. When they're on the ground, remember those sorcerer women, you weren't able to possess them. It's another one of those situations. The second they're on the ground, they're a danger to your well-being, to everyone around you. Are you allowed to in that situation? That's the question. In extenuating circumstances, can you put to death in a different way? In other words, without Saif, we're talking now narrowly about mitat saif, tamud lamar, mot yumat that's the double wording, mot yumat, he shall surely die, mikol makom, period. Mikol makom means in any way necessary, which means to say that for our purposes, we now challenged Shimuel. Shimuel, you told us in a situation of sekila, if you don't have the hand of the individual in order to put him to death, can't put him to death. What are you talking about? This beraita, in the context of beheading, tells us if you're not able to, whatever the situation is over there, the guy's on the other side, it's mechashefa, our circumstances, the guy's missing the end, you put him to death anyway. Mikol makom, mot yumahat. Shemuel, isn't that a good example to counter your argument? You held, the Torah says it, maktub, no, we can't move one light iota, not so fast. We have ribuyim in the Torah, we have the opportunity to shift a little bit. Answers the Gemara for Shemuel, shane hatam, Shonesham, that circumstance of Saif, of putting to death in such a fashion, is different. After all, the Pasuk says it by Motumat, by the circumstance of beheading. What does the Torah say? You can't behead and put him to death in another way. It doesn't say that by Skila. What's that? But we had different Terashotan. We had different Terashotan. That's the suggestion of the Gemara right now. This is the first, and according to Shemuel, the only. There'll be, we're going to have one or two other circumstances. 
One other circumstance will be mentioned in the Gemara over here. It's Go'il Haddam. We'll talk about it in a moment. The other one is on Daf'ayin Bet, as I mentioned. Daf'ayin Bet talks about the following situation. If you have an intruder in your home, that's what the Torah refers to as a Habbaba Mahteri. The Torah talks about a person who tunnels into your house surreptitiously, makes his way in, and he's looking to steal. In such a circumstance, the, Gemara, the Torah says, En lo damim. You, you immediately judge him as if he's a dead man walking. Must you kill him because you assume he's going to murder you, he's nidon al-shem sofa by beheading him. So there's an intruder in your home, you pause everything, you grab him, and then you take out your knife and you start chopping off his head, or alternatively, you're allowed to kill him in any fashion. The Gemara over there says, the Pasuk says, vihuka vamet, the extra wording, vihuka, he's hit, but more specifically, vamet vechomita, any way you need to. But those are the exceptions. We're going to see that in the Gemara right now. The exceptions are the situation where he is Hayav Saif. Exception is Habbaba Mahder. We're going to have one other exception, Goyal Hadam. So the answer is, in short, Jared, yes, we won't apply it to other cases. But first, says the Gemara, let's just work through this. I mean, you know, last time I checked, you have one example in the Torah. What's our one example? Mot Yumat. Roseach. Saif. We should apply it to other situations. Viligmar Mineh. We should learn from it, which means to say, here's a principle. Many of us say it every day, others say it on Shabbat, others from time to time. There are 13 midoshah Torah nidreshet to him. There are 13 ways that Ishmael used to say in which you can interpret the Torah. One of them is called binyanav. Binyanav, or mamatsinu is another way of referring to it, refers to the following. It says that the Torah is written in this perfect way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, listen, I'm going to be terse. I'm going to have a certain brevity. I'm just going to state matters when they need to be stated. And I want you now to apply them to any logical conclusion you can bring it to. As a result, if I have a law, I'll mention, this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu speak, I'll mention it once. I'll assume you're going to do the legwork and say, how often does this apply? That will be, quote-unquote, the father, and you'll make a binyan, you'll make a building off of the father to all the derivatives. As a result, that's the question of the Gemara. It's true. I only found it in the context of Saif, but let me apply that to Sekilah as well. Do you have any reason to distinguish? It's true, the Torah says, Motumat over there. Shemuel, I don't understand, we always do this. We say, it says it over here, we apply it over there, unless you have a logical reason or a technical reason to say otherwise. Answers the Gemara, you can't apply it. Mishum dehavar rosech v'goyel hadam sheneh ketubim habayim kehad v'kol sheneh ketubim habayim kehad en melamedin. We're going to address what those words mean right now before we address the, the, the specifics. It goes like this, uh, just in terms of the structure of the Gemara one more time. The Gemara, again, began today for us with Shemuel's statement. Shemuel's statement is, if you don't have the hand of the witness after the testimony, can't put him to death. Really? Extenuating circumstance. We should be able to stretch it a little bit, be a little bit more broad in our understanding. Proof? You do it by sight. You can't kill him by beheading. You kill him in another way. You shoot him. You grab him. You, you, you hang him on a tree, whatever the circumstances. Answers the Gemara, you can't learn from there. It says, it, well, wait a second, why can't I learn? I'll apply it elsewhere. Answers the Gemara, here's, here's the key line. It's true. God's work is a perfect work. And as a result, he would, if necessary, tell you something once and have you apply it to any and every other circumstance. If I wanted to teach you, I say, listen, gentlemen, listen carefully to every word I say and apply it to your life in every way. But then I say the same thing in two separate situations. Why'd you mention it, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, both by Roseach 
and what we call Goel Hadam. We'll discuss what that means in a second. You seem to be telling me it's only relevant to those two situations. If it was relevant to all situations, say it once and I'll apply it to all situations. The fact that you, quote, wasted your words or wasted your interpretations and stuck it into the text in two situations, you're telling me, God, that this is applicable only to those two situations and not to others. As a result, Shemuel's response is, Binyanav, you want me to use this as the paradigm and I'll build everything based on it? Can't do so. Why not? Because there are two fathers. Two fathers mean they're not fathers at all. They're two individuals I can't apply. That's what we call Shene Ketubim, two Pesukim, Habbaim Kehad. They come in tandem, they teach the same law in two separate situations. You can't learn from it. Viligmar Mine, we should make Binyanav, you can't do so. All right, great. So that's the answer. So Shemuel resolves some stuff. Yes? Important question. She'elat uh, dorshim. You, you'll, you'll have to challenge it and deal with each one of those circumstances. What do you mind? It says it all the time. It says it all the time. 100%. 100%. You're asking on the specifics of this derasha. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not certain. I mean, the answer might be, uh, and I don't know. So you're asking it should be applicable to other situations. No, no, All right, that's a more difficult question, a more difficult question than I'm equipped to answer right now, but let me get back to you. Let me just briefly mention Teddy's question. Teddy asks, mot yumat is not only mentioned over here. Those words are mentioned in many other situations, situations outside of the context of Sayyid, is what he's arguing. And as a result, we should apply it to all the mitot. Clearly the Gemara is not doing so. Why they saw it as superfluous over here as opposed to others, uh, we have to determine. Anyway, says the Gemara, all right, so what is Goyel Adam? What is that second katuv habake had hadem amaran? The circumstance of a murderer de amaran. We stated it. Motumata roseah, motumata hamake roseah. Goel Hadam Mahi. What's the situation of Goel Hadam? What do those words even mean? Goel means to redeem or to ransom. Dam means blood. We all know this situation. If a person kills accidentally, the Torah says, we've established for you six Aremiklat, six cities of refuge. Instead of being put to death, if you killed accidentally, Second Perik Masech Makot defines how we determine objectively that it was accidental. What you do is you run away to one of these cities of refuge, you stay there for an extended period of time, and you are not able to be killed in ransom by the family members of the individual you killed. However, if you go to the Eid Miklat and you leave, now the family members can run after you and kill you, and they have the right from the Torah to do so. <clears throat> Even though you did so ac- accidentally, I gave you a city of refuge. I told you to go to Eir Miklat. You left Eir Miklat, it's on your head. Goel Hadam can kill you. Here's the question. What if there are no family members? What if this individual leaves Eir Miklat, he's outside, no family members? Am I allowed to kill him? The answer is, we're going to read right now, Derasha in the Beraita, that the Bedin, the court, would appoint a Goel Hadam. They would say, we heard this guy's out. All right, hitman from the Beit Din. And that guy goes and kills you. You have another situation where, quote, letter of the law, according to the Torah, it's only the family member who's taking you down. Nonetheless, the Torah extends it in this situation and says, you were deficient in your responsibility staying in the Eid Miklat. We're going to now get revenge upon you, according to the Torah. Well, that being the case, we have two cases, both Saif, 
You can't do it Saif, do it another way. And Goyel Adam, the family members are not around to kill you, so someone else can kill you. Two situations, you can't now apply that to any other situation like the one we're dealing with, which is Sikila with the guy's hand missing. Detanya, as the Beraita says, Goel Hadam Yamit et Haroseah. Right, the, 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 the statement is the Goel Hadam, the person who is, that's a Pasuk in the, in, in the Torah, in Sefer B'Midbar, the end of Sefer B'Midbar, the Goel Hadam, the person who's ransoming or taking revenge for the death of the family member, kills the accidental murderer. Mitzvah be Goel Hadam. Ideally, here's the Lechat from the Torah, right? Ideally, the Goel Adam. How do you know that if the person passed away, it doesn't have relatives to inherit him? Whatever the situation is, one way or another, that the Betin, that the, uh, that the, that the uh, Jewish court appoints, what? Shene'emar, befig obo mikol makom. The derasha is that anyone who touches him, anyone who comes in contact with him, is allowed to or should be killing him, and that's an individual who the court appointed in the absence of a goel hadam. Well, Shemuel then has settled his case. He's standing strong. Shemuel, the out-of-this-world interpretation, Shemuel said if the hand is cut off, you don't put him to death, he stands strong. We challenged him. We said it should be applicable in all circumstances. No, no, no. There are two exceptions to the rule. You can't apply it to other circumstances. The Gemara now takes a step back. So, okay, we were dealing with this on a surface level. Let's deal with it in more of a macro level. Let's understand what Shimuel is saying. He's not just saying a halakha about how to put to death. He's not just saying a halakha of lechat ideal and unideal, in murder, in execution. He's saying a principle. When the Torah says something, we need to be, as I mentioned earlier in the class, very particular and specific about the way the Torah said it. We don't move one iota. There's no extenuating circumstances when it comes to halakha from the Torah. Is that really so? So we're going to spend some more time trying to challenge that from other circumstances. But first, Amar le mor keshisha bere derav hasta lerav ashe. Umi lo ba'inan kera kedichtiv. We now defend Shemuel with an incredulous question. Do you mean to tell me that anyone disagrees with the concept of you need the pasuk as it says it? Pasuk seems to say words and you're not certain how specific or not. Everybody should agree to it. Really? Everything we've been marching to was the opposite. Everything I told you is going to stack up is in the other direction. More kishisha over here. Literally, the uh, old master, uh, that was his name. Uh, some people have a grandfather uh, role from a young age. Their name is Kishisha, or maybe it was his nickname later on. Anyway, he, he over here brings proof that we need Kira Kedichtiv. How so? It's a Mishnah later on. It's a Mishnah in Perik. Ben Sorer Umore, as we've mentioned on more than one occasion, the Torah talks about a wayward child, a wayward son. He's a person who has these hedonistic drives. We'll deal with the person in that Perek, in, in the eighth Perek, Perek Ben Sorer Umore, but the Halachas, he gets put to death. This child, this kid who's not following his parents and uh, the eating and drinking in an inappropriate fashion. Okay, the Gemara says uh, that the Torah has this vision about what's going to happen in the future, but fundamentally it gets put to death. Now, in terms of the specifics of the situation, the Torah is a little bit uh, mellifluous. The Torah uses a lot of words over here, superfluous in its wording. The Torah says that the parents need to bring the child to Betin. They need to say, he's not listening to our words. We tried to warn him and he won't listen to us. Lots of words, are they bring him to the why is the Torah so specific in all those details? Says the Mishnah, 
gidem, if one of the two parents is missing an arm, or ilem, or they're mute, they're not able to talk, or higer, or they're missing a leg, or sumeh, or they're blind, or heresh, or they're deaf. Enona asa ben soreru more. This child will not be considered a ben soreru more. Oh, who cares about the parents? So the parents have a little bit of one of these blemishes. Shene Imar and the Derasha here to understand this Mishnah and understand where we came from. Vetafesubo. The Pasuk says, and the parents grabbed that child, as I told you a moment ago. Velo Gidmin seems to be telling me they have to have hands. They can't grab him if they don't have hands. Vehosiwoto. And they'll bring him out to the court. Green, it means they're not crippled in their feet. They need to be able to walk. Ve'ameru, and they're going to say to the judges, Velo ilmin, it can't be that they're mute and not able to say, what are they going to say? Benenu zeh, this child. And the word zeh in the Torah oftentimes is a reference to pointing at him. Velo sumin, they can't be blind. Because how are they going to point at him? Enenu shomea bekolenu. He's not listening to us. Velo harshin, it can't be that they're deaf. Explains Rashi. How do you know if he's listening to you or not if you're deaf? Well, what it all amounts to is these Pesukim by Ben Soreno More, which appeared to be just a storyline, which appeared to be just telling me, similar to our situation of Sekila, listen, the Edim, the witnesses, should have the first hand in this. They can't? No. Over there as well. The Pesukim say the parents bring them out. Let's say the parents don't bring them out. Let's say the parents don't. The Halakha is the Mishnah, which everybody agrees to, says that's not a Ben Soreno More. Clearly, Shimuel has a point. We need Kira Kedichtiv. The Pasuk, as it states it in, in, in absolute terms, must be followed. Does that matter? Interesting. Interesting. So, I, I mean, first I'm going to read the answer of the Gemara, and then I'm going to supplement it with your interpretation. Because the Gemara will come from a technical standpoint, you're coming from a fundamental standpoint. Says the Gemara, what's the reason over there? So, hold on, Jared and everyone. What's the reason by Ben Soren More that we cannot put this child to death had all these details not been in place? Because we need because we need the Pasuk exactly as it states it. Uh, Shemuel, we got a proof for you. says, I solved it. Everybody's jumping on Shemuel. The Gemara is going to be a little bit nervous about Shemuel. The Gemara ultimately is going to say that it's Mahlok Tanaim. It's not a Mahlok Tanaim. Everybody agrees it. Says the Gemara, Shane Hatam Dekule Kera Yeterahu. That situation, Ben Soren More, is different because the entirety of the Pasuk, the whole passage, is Kira Yetera. Yetera means extra, it's an extraneous Pasuk, which means to say, whereas by Sekila, uh, it's not extraneous to say that the Edim begin it. We know they need to be involved in this process. That's not extraneous. So we look over there, says Shemuel, and I pay attention to the Pesukim. That's different, suggests the Gemara, in deflecting this as a proof for Shemuel, than the case by Ben Soreru More. Ben Soreru More, all the words in the Pesukim, the whole description of taking the child and speaking and doing, it's all procedural. You would have said it's all telling a story. No, that story is unnecessary. Why is it there? Clearly it's to take it very literally. Says Jared, well, that all being the case, well, what's the difference between these? 
And I was, okay, so you drew a distinction. You said Shemuel might be wrong. Shemuel says if the hand of the Edim got chopped off, we don't put him to death. However, he and everyone would agree, even those who disagree with him, that when it comes to Ben Surah and Moreh, we need to read the Pesukim very carefully. Why so? Why would the Torah distinguish? And so Jared suggests the following. He says, listen, when we're dealing with the guy who's getting sick, the guy was already judged to death. The guy was judged to death. I can disagree with Shemuel. I can say this guy is deservant of death. There's a technical detail missing over here. Okay, not ideal, but we're still going to put him to death. This guy is wrong. It says, Ben Sorero More, where everyone agrees all the details need to be in place. Maybe it's different over there. By Ben Sorero More, I think what you're suggesting is there's a psychological underpinning over here. This description in the Torah of the parents coming and stating and saying, we tried to deal with this is talking more about what led to this situation. The reason he's considered a ben sorero more is because the parents were involved and the parents did attempt and the parents did do and he's still defiant. The only way you're going to deal with a ben sorero more and actually exact the punishment upon him is if you say all these details were met. Uh, by the guy who's Hayav Sekila, all the details are met. It's the aftermath, the way we're putting him to death, he's missing some details. Ben Sorero More, if you're telling me that the parents were deficient in their handling of the situation, we can't put the child to death. That's the distinction. But ultimately speaking, Shemuel stands strong, although we can't bring a proof for him. Last proof over here for just a moment. Tashema, we're going to try to bring another proof, last proof for today. In la rehov, in na'asa'ir hanidahat. Something called Ne'ir Hanidaha, the Torah describes if an entire city is Oved Avodah all the members of the city get killed, and you take all the property of the city and you bring it out El Rehov Ha'ir, you bring it to the public uh, street of the, of the city. What if the city, and what are you going to do with it? You're going to light it on fire, you're going to burn it. What if the city doesn't have a public street, doesn't have any streets? Strange situation, but we've seen stranger. What about such a situation? Well, the Torah says the way to deal with the Ir is taking Kol Shilala, all of the belongings, and putting them on the Rehov. What if it doesn't have one? En la Rehov en na'aset Ir First opinion is, it doesn't have a, a, a street. So you can't, you can't, you can't deal with the irhani dahat. What are you gonna do? All right, you punish them, but you can't really put them to death. Rabbi Akiva Omer, en la rehov osin la rehov. Rabbi Akiva disagrees. Rabbi Akiva says if it doesn't have a street, you put in a street. Wait a second, says the Gemara. Isn't this again a proof for Shemuel? What do both of these opinions agree to? Well, the first opinion says it doesn't have a street. Well, the Torah says you need a street. Oh, it doesn't have a street. I'm still going to deal. No, it doesn't have a street. No street. Rabbi Akiva says it doesn't have a street. You need to make it a street. Ultimately speaking, both opinions agree. Says the Gemara, it appears as if both. Rabbi Akiva and the first opinion of Bishmael hold, they maintain that the only question is, is it a street that was there initially or you could even create the street afterwards you could pave the roads and make one afterwards but everybody would agree with Shemuel answers the Gemara Tanaehi, and we'll continue with that tomorrow the ultimate line here in the Gemara will be it's a mahlok, it's a dispute amongst Tanaim this statement, the concept which underlies Shemuel's understanding of this situation again Shemuel says if it doesn't have a hand you can't put him to death, why? because you need him at all extents and under any situation follow exactly as it states in the Torah it's a mahlok Tanaim but it appears as if both would be 
Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael, I'm going to keep strong to this, agree to that. You need that street. Why do I need a street? I'll do it without a street. Just like over here, Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.